The following show contains disgusting, repellent, revolting and vile content that might not be suitable for a younger audience. Turn off now if you are easily offended. You've been warned. Gift by Glenn Dixon, starring Shane Stefanczyk, Kristen Green, and Glenn Dixon. It's really not that bad. It feels really sore. Just relax. Conserve your energy. You're getting yourself into a state. I'm getting myself into a state? You just stabbed me with a kitchen knife. To be fair, you did come at us with it. He was only trying to defend himself. He was taking the initiative, weren't you? Well, you broke into my house. I prefer to look at it as more a home invasion. He has lost quite a bit of blood. There's so much of it. Yeah, sorry about your sofa. And the curtains. Oh, this is really hurting. Yes, and the curtains. They look expensive? My girlfriend Daisy picked them out. She's going to be really pissed when she sees these. They match the decor in here perfectly. A good color scheme. Well, apart from the blood smears. Well, she's got a good eye for these things. It's really spurting now. Yes, it's all to do with the size of the wound. The heart pumps blood from the left ventricle, forcing it through the arterial vessels and creating pressure in the arteries. The blood moves in waves through these vessels, following each beat of the heart, creating the effect of spurting. From an open wound. Ah, ah, oh, ah, 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 I feel really kind of lightheaded. Um, it's only natural. You've had quite a shock. Your body has suffered severe trauma. You're bound to feel a little disoriented. Tell me, please, is it serious? Mm, it all depends. On your blood pressure, how healthy you are. I keep myself pretty fit normally. <laughs> this is obvious. What's your name? Raymond. You have a pretty firm body, Ray. Can I call you Ray? Yeah, most people do. Very muscular. You have the frame of an athlete. You have runner's legs. I bet his calves are as hard as concrete. You play football? Yeah, I play football sometimes. <laughs> I knew it. I cycle too. In Lycra? No. Multicolored and incredibly tight to his skin. Highlighting every crease and bulge. He's perfect. He's like one of those Greek statues. Oh, he's blushing. Can't take a compliment, mister. I bet he's a big hit with the ladies. Goes without saying. <laughs> bet he's a real player. I know that you said you have a girlfriend, but I bet you get offers. Yeah. You do, don't you? On a daily basis. Uh, careful how you answer this. Talk about a loaded question, Ray. Do you love each other? You and the soft furnishings, babe? Yeah, I, I love her. I, well, we have our ups and downs, but... Ups and downs? I bet you do. You look like a man's man to me, Ray. Are you on any medications? Yeah, I, I have inhalers for my asthma. I could really do with a blast now. I thought I heard you wheezing. You should take more care. Use mine. Oh, you're gushing like an oil well. What blood group are you? I, I really can't remember. I'd say you were O positive. Y you can tell just by touching it? He's very talented, aren't you? I've really lost a lot of blood. 
just a dribble. No, it, it looks like a lot when you see it gushing right out of me like this. It's so beautiful, isn't it? The way it just flows, swirling and tainting everything it touches, staining it forever. Like a Jackson Pollock painting. Please, why did you both break into my house and stab me? Are you going to take all of my stuff? Do you think we look like petty thieves, Ray? We knocked on the door, Ray. You invited us in. You took our coats. <laughs> Offered us coffee. And cookies. We wiped our feet on your mat, Ray. As a mark of respect. We were polite. We don't normally do this. We sometimes ground our mud into their threadbare carpets. Sometimes dog shit. And still you suspect us of breaking and entering? You think we're here to take your laptop and the keys to your SUV? Really, Ray? I mean, I just don't get it. You don't know me. I haven't done anything to you or hurt you or... Oh my god, I... I think I can see my own ribcage. Quite a liberating sight, huh? Looking inside yourself like this? Why? Why me? Go on and tell him. Don't keep him hanging on. Time's running out. No, you do it this time. It's your turn, baby. Tell me. Uh, tell me what? You haven't done anything wrong. Put your mind at rest. You're totally blameless in all of this. Oh, he's still confused. Oh, it's just a little ritual of ours. It's an anniversary present. A once-a-year treat. A unique little love gift we like to share. I still don't understand. A few years ago, we found ourselves going through a few problems. We were struggling. That's an understatement, Ray. We couldn't be in the same room as one another. We tried marriage guidance counseling. Airing our dirty laundry in public to complete strangers. <laughs> like that was ever going to work. Yes, but this is only effective when both people open their minds to the process. You see what I have to put up with? We searched the internet for ways to rekindle our spark. Nothing seemed to connect us. We tried everything. And then, bang! Just like that, you had an epiphany. A revelation of sorts. A total life-changing encounter. You, you see, she'd always like to be in control. Hold the reins sexually, if you know what I mean. She liked me to be as passive as possible during the act itself. Are you with me, Ray? I don't think the penny has dropped yet, hon. I needed him to be as still as possible during sex. Not an easy task, I can tell you. This is true. I would try and do my best not to flinch or jerk, but, well, you can see she's a sexy woman and I would always end up, you know, just going for it. Totally destroying my moment. I'm just flesh and blood, Ray. Anyway, I was at the funeral. A younger guy, he was at school with my brother, suffered a heart attack. It was a Catholic service, the church was packed, there was an open coffin. And then, boom, skyrockets in flight, afternoon delight. <laughs> Some people were placing flowers beside him and giving him small pecks on his cheek. I intended to do the same, but one thing led to another. No... Yes, Ray. If the coffins are rockin', don't come a-knockin'. Not necrophilia. Don't say it like that. Each to their own. You're both gonna have sex with me after I'm dead? Whoa, easy now, Tiger. What do you think I am, some kind of pervert? And I'm just going to film it. How about this? Um, I'll have sex with you, and he can film it, and then maybe one of you can possibly drive me to the hospital? My legs have gone numb. <coughs> they call this infidelity, mister. You calling my wife a whore, Ray? We've never cheated on one another. We've always been faithful. I could pretend to be dead. I can be really still. I, I won't move at all, I promise. I, I can do it. What? Fake it, you mean? It's never the same. And anyway, you haven't got the strength. I do. I'm as strong as an ox. <laughs> you can feel my calves again if you want to. I really don't mind. 
Oh, just look at you. You are as white as a sheet. I really don't think it's going to work. Oh, he's such an innocent. Don't worry. Rigor mortis will help to fill the gap. Not straight away, but it'll be well worth the wait. I feel so tired, I can't. It won't be long now, Ray. Happy anniversary, baby. Mm, happy anniversary, darling. Daisy. We love what you've done to the place. Oh my god. I don't believe it. What have you done to my curtains? This autumn on BBC Two includes Boys from the Black Stuff, the former gang of tarmac layers now among the Liverpool unemployed. Hey, what now? What chances have you got of leaving school with any qualifications if you're never there in the first place? Qualifications? Well, what's wrong with qualifications? You need nuclear physics to be a bit money these days, Dad. I've got no money. Oh, well, I mean... That explains everything. Yeah, I'm never having a hard time with the HP. I mean, all those friggin' installments. You send the stuff back then? I would if I could, but I've sold most of it already. Here I am, a man. <laughs> a man. A man with no job. Looking for one. Like trying to find a Scarlet Pimpernel. Take a look around you, girl. We form the majority round here. Only some fellas are lucky enough to have wives who recognize that fact. All right. I can take it, you know, Lago. I can take it because I know my beliefs are right. I've been brought up by my dad to support what's worth supporting. Yeah? I didn't know your dad followed Everton. A series of five new plays by Alan Beesdale. Boys from the Black Stuff on BBC Two starting next Sunday at ten past ten.
What go? Are you messing? What? Kelly. Oh, alright. It was okay. <laughs> okay? Mm. A- after all the build-up. The weeks of anticipation. And all I'm getting is okay. I don't really want to talk about it. Really? Oh. Well, I'm not being funny. But I've spent months listening to you banging on about it. How he makes you laugh. He does. How connected you are. We are. How just his voice can give you the fanny flutters. To be honest with you, I was going to ask you for his number if it didn't work out. I've heard that much about him. I felt like I'd built a connection with him. Never mind you. So, I just... I don't... So I don't care if you don't want to talk about it. You're talking about it. Three, two, one, go. He was exactly like I thought he'd be. Better? Better? Better than perfect. Better looking, better personality, better shoes. Better shoes? Oh, yeah. See, that's a deal breaker for me, that is, you know, shoes. And in one of his profile pictures, he had a pair of shoes on, like what a maths teacher would wear. Yeah. Mm, and not just any old maths teacher. One who drinks coffee. <gasps> Bad shoes and maths teacher coffee breath. <sighs> I was seriously worried about that. You never mentioned it. Well, I didn't want to break the magic. It's haircuts for me. You what? My deal breaker? Haircuts. I once invested six months into a long distance romance. And when we met, in real life, he had hair like Simon Cowell. <gasps> he looks like a human bog brush. Ego away. <gasps> I just thought, you know, with Richie being hairless and that, that you were only into bald fellas. I'm not into bald fellas. Oh. Not really. But at least with a bald fella, you know what you're getting. No hair. Exactly. <laughs> now then, stop avoiding the question. I want details. Oh. Look, I don't know how to... I can't really... What was the problem? I was the problem. Oh, what did you do? Did you do that nervous thing you do where you don't speak? Or the other nervous thing you do where you do speak. Oh, my God. Oh, thanks for your support at this difficult time. Well, what then, Cal? Were you sick? Did you fall over again? No. Did you sleep with him? No. And anyway, why would that put him off? Believe it or not, I do know me way around the bedroom, you know. Just because you see me as clumsy Kelly doesn't mean everybody does. For someone with no coordination, I am surprisingly good at the reverse cowgirl. Right. And I've been told that my... All right. I get the picture. And to be honest with you, I wish I didn't. Sorry. (laughs) Listen, all I meant was if a fella's thinking long term, it sometimes puts them off if you hop straight into the sack with them. Explains a lot. Well, anyway, the answer is a none of the above. Everything was going really well. It was amazing. He was amazing. I was, and I'm not just blowing smoke up my own arse here. I was amazing. Sounds amazing. It was. So we're sat in the bistro, and then through the door comes the last person I wanted to see. Who? Dave. Dave? Dave? (gasps) Dave? Your Dave? Not your Dave. Dave? Yeah? Dave? No. Yeah? I haven't seen him since, you know, since the custody battle. And I finally get myself together. 
put myself out there, meet someone and... The bastard. Oh, I just brought it all back. I mean, I know we got shared access, but in the end it was, it was just too much. Oh, Kelly. I still think about it all the time. I know you do. It's just so hard. Take your time. Miss Bernard Sue. So do I. He was a cracking hamster. Yeah. So, I excused myself and I went to the loo. And I was so mad at myself for reacting like that. I think I was in shock, you know. And I started crying. And then I just couldn't stop. I knew I couldn't carry on with the date, so I climbed out the window. You what? I climbed out the window. I heard you the first time. I'm just trying to take this in. You finally meet someone you really like. There's a spark. You said you can talk to him about anything. Mm -hmm. Then, while you're on a date, you spot your ex. You get a bit emotional. Instead of just mentioning it like a normal person, you climb out of the toilet window. What the fuck, Kelly? That's not the worst part. What? I got stuck. Oh, God. And they had to phone the fire brigade. Oh, no. And he'd worked out that I bailed on him. So he was leaving and he saw the whole thing. Well, that's that then. Looks like you're back on the market. Why are you always dead nice about it? A bit too nice, to be honest. Excited, if truth be told. It turns out he's got a thing about women in confined spaces. Sounds like you've had a lucky escape there. Oh, no. I'm seeing him again. What? He messaged me. He said he can't stop thinking about me and he wants to take me away. <laughs> We're going potholing next weekend. Oh, hello again. Just having a barbecue. A few sausages, burgers, that type of thing. I think it's time for a nice drink, though. Probably would have been better if I wasn't sitting in a car. In a busy street. Yeah, you're right. Once again, it's not real. But the sound you heard made you think, didn't they? Radio uses theatre of the mind to connect one-to-one with every single listener. So why not tap into and harness the power of radio advertising for your business? You can find out more. Email supersoundradioscotland at gmail.com. Now, gotta go. I'm just flying a plane. While on the water. On a tropical island. Yeah. That's not real either. Local radio advertising. Give it a try today. My father and my mother split when I was about four. I put a spell on you. And I was brought up by an auntie. Just remember all I have done for you. You would be in a children's home. When I was 16, I met with my mother. Because of mine. She'll hurt you. You're going nowhere. <laughs> What's up? The guitar's all right for a hobby, but you'll never make a living at it. I'm going to start a rock and roll group. You've been picked to be in my band. I'm done. Paul. Horizontal from the elbow. Strum from the wrist. Strum from the wrist. John, be serious. Body Holly, look. If we're gonna do this, we should write our own stuff. I write stuff. Stories. Poetry, you know. Add a tune to that and you got a song? I do. Me and Mum have had a bit of a heart to heart. Yeah, she said you stole me. Your mother walked out. You chose to take my son. to do this, boys. Off to Hamburg. And is this with the new group? The, oh, what's they called again? Do you care? Oh, they all sound the same to me.
The SKP by Ornia King, performed by Jerry Hodgson. We watched the blitz from up here, said Grandad. Oh God, here we go. Me and my mum rolled our eyes. She nudged me and whispered, we had to listen to the old folks talking about the war all the time when we were growing up. Now it's your turn. It's living history. Your granddad actually remembers the Blitz. Granddad is 85. I suppose it's amazing he can remember anything. Stood right here, he says, loads of times, watching the planes coming over, the barrage balloons, the searchlights coming on, fires burning all across London. We're very high up, see? The churchyard in Walthamstow is high up, one of the highest spots in London after Hampstead Heath. We'd come up to look for, out for the fireworks. It was the day before Guy Fawkes night, and every now and then we'd see a shower of red or gold sparks, but Grandad was remembering deadlier explosions 80 years ago, the winter of 1940, the worst of the Blitz. Your great-grandma, he said, was waitressing in the Abercorn Rooms, a posh restaurant up Liverpool Street. A good job, and handy, because Liverpool Street is just 20 minutes up the tracks from Walthamstow. She worked the lunchtime shift, so she was home with me for tea time. I was about six, I suppose, I said. Hang on, Grandad. We did this at school. All the kids were evacuated out of London during the war. You're right, he said. We're all packed off with our gas mask and our brown paper labels tied to our coats. And then nothing happened. For ages. So loads of us came back. I came back from Glasgow. I was homesick and bullied something wrong. Walter Plant, who lived in the upstairs flat, never went. His mum wouldn't let him go. The other boys said he was a weed, not a plant. Alfie nicknamed him Weedy Walter. Alfie Greenwood. He ran away to came back. He'd been evacuated to a farm somewhere and he hated it. Even after the farmer gave him a sheepdog puppy, Alfie's dad was missing in a POW camp somewhere. The Green was lived across the road and down from us. Alfie was 11, oldest in our gang. His old granddad was gassed in the first war. He knew his mum and baby twin sisters needed him to be the man of the house, so one morning he put the puppy in his pocket and jumped on the milk train home. I tried to imagine running away with or without a puppy. In wartime, I'd be scared to death. And I'm 13, not 11. Grandad was well away in his memories now. Our gang, Alfie and Walter and me, and a bunch of other kids, we had first dibs on the two big tombstones by the church porch. Most of the churchyard is fenced off, but these two huge stone tombs have stood by the porch for two or three hundred years, names and dates worn away by generations of kids climbing on them. Alfie was our leader, Grandad was wrapped in the memory. Alfie was their leader and they were playing escape. The vicar had absolutely forbidden them to dig any more tunnels after a nasty incident with some old bones. So now they were going over the fence of their imaginary POW camp. Alfie was stood up on the biggest tombstone, Camp Guard, with his granddad's old torch for his searchlight and the puppy, who he named Spitfire, jumping all over him, when suddenly... Alfie Greenwood, you get down here! My great-grandma, she was five foot one with her shoes on, but she was scary when she was cross, and that evening, she was fuming. Gerald! She spotted my granddad in the pack and quaked him out by his ear. Alfie, you put that torch out, she snapped. Don't you know there's a blackout? Shame on you. You're the elders and you should have more sense. You make sure these little uns get home, there's a raid just starting. And then get home yourself, your poor mum's got enough on her plate. So Alfie rounded up the little ones and Spitfire and headed off up the hill. And Great Grandma marched off down the hill with Dad's ear in one hand and Weedy Walters in the others. They lived in the bottom of a tall house with a long, thin London garden. The plants, Walter and his mum, lived up the top, and Miss Buck was in the middle. And they all shared an Anderson shelter, down the bottom of the garden, past the wash house and the lavvy and the muddy mess where they'd given up digging for victory. Great Grandma shoved my granddad and Walter out the back door. You two get in the shelter, she said. The whole sky was thrumming with the noise of aeroplane engines, and just as they tugged the door open they heard the whump of bombs falling over Leighton Way, coming nearer. Go check in the shelter, I'll get right along. The boys scuffled off down the garden while she grabbed a thermos of tea and slices of bread and dripping one. That one was nearer. 
The windows rattled and all the cups and saucers into the kitchen cupboard. It was fully dark and he stepped out into the garden. Gerald! Instead of getting in the shelter, Grandad and Walter were stood by it on the pile of sandbags, gazing up at the searchlight beams streaking across the sky and the planes droning through them. Get inside! he yelled. Just as whump! There was a huge explosion very close by, just across the street, and by the sound of it, everything shook. Her eardrums popped. She couldn't even hear herself yell. Get inside! Gerald! Walter! She felt the sickening shudder of a shockwave. The air seemed to snap and crush her. She staggered towards the two little boys, but before she could reach them, whoosh! Something came hurtling through the hedge and pushed past them, threw them out the way just as wham! Bang! In the hissing, smoky dark, she saw that Alfie Greenwood had shoved the smaller boys clear and a huge, great, jagged shard of smoking steel, shrapnel as big as the boys, was sticking out of the sandbags, right where Grandad and Walter had been stood half a second before. Walter's mum, Mrs. Plant, reached out of the Anderson shelter and dragged Weedy Walter inside by his shorts. Cor, Grandad and Alfie were eyeing up the shrapnel. All the boys were collecting it. You could have been killed! Get inside! Now! Great Grandma bundled them both in the shelter, plonked them onto the bank vent and slammed the door. All the boys were shaky and dirty. Walter was sniffling in his mum's lap. Miss Buck was asleep in the other corner, snoring and an empty bottle in her lap. The tilly lamp was lit, but it was gloomy and chilly. Sitting on a wooden plank, benches with your feet in three inches of cold water, with bombs dropping all around. I told you to get home, great grandma said to Alfie, though she could still hardly hear herself past the ringing in her ears. I can't even get down the road, he said. It's all blocked. He was covered in dust, huddled on the plank bench by the door. Outside, the raid was still going on. Crashes and booms, the ground shaking, the air throbbing, bits of rubble and shrapnel clattering down on the roof of the Anderson. I tried going around by the, by the high street, said Alfie, but that's blocked too. So I came over the back fence in here. Lucky for us you did, said my grandma, wiping Grandad's face with a spitty hanky. A very lucky escape. Alfie was white as a sheet, eyes like saucers, covered in dust, and his wristwatch was cracked, stopped at five to eight. Well, you'd best stop here till the raid's over. Your poor mum will be worried sick. They'll have been in their shelter for hours. They're not there, said Alfie. Grandad can't stand it. Says it's like being back in Flanders. Sets his nerves off, so they go in the hall cupboard under the stairs. He was shivering, so she poured him a cup of tea from her thermos, but he just held it. And she held my granddad. Walter's mum held Walter, and Mrs. Buck snored. She must have dozed off. She woke up all of a sudden. They must have all been asleep for hours. The raid had long finished. The dawn was breaking, and there was no sign of Alfie, just the thermos cap sitting on the bench. Everyone staggered indoors. When she drew back the blackout curtains on the front window, she saw a commotion just down the street and went out to look. Halfway down the road, there was a huge great hole where the road should be, and a great mountain of rubble where two houses should be. One was still standing, wallpaper and shreds of curtain flapping like the house was inside out. That's the Greenwood's house! Oh my god! Oh my god! Get them out! Already a crowd of wardens and neighbours were climbing over the rubble, digging in the rubble in the garden, looking for their shelter. Then she remembered, They're not in the shelter! she yelled. She grabbed hold of one of the wardens and tugged on her sleeve until he listened to her. They're under the stairs! Alfie said they're under the stairs! Dig under the stairs! It took the diggers nearly eight hours of back-breaking, brick-shifting to reach under the stairs cupboard. They never found the door, but prized off the stair treads and dug inside. They knew there were folks alive, because they heard knocking, getting fainter. Finally around tea time, just as the siren went again, they got them out. Old Grandad Greenwood cursing Jerry in a broken nose, the twins hanging on to each other and Lily Greenwood hanging on to them. And at last of all they found Alfie, wedged tight in the slant of the stairs, pale and white and still. It seemed that Alfie, like his watch, had stopped at five to eight. Thank goodness you knew where to look, Peggy, the warden said to her as they laid Alfie's dusty little body on the stretcher. We'd still be digging up the garden and they'd never have lasted another night. She felt dizzy like when the bomb had exploded and the air seemed to crush her. How could she tell him that Alfie had been in her garden, had pushed my granddad and Walter out of the way of the shrapnel at the same time as he'd been under the stairs at home when the same bomb fell? Just then they heard a whining 
Out of Alfie's pocket came the little puppy, Spitfire, yapping and licking at Alfie's dusty face. Poor little blighter, someone said. Great Grandma never knew if they meant Alfie or the dog, because at that moment Alfie coughed and opened his eyes. He's alright, a few tired driggers cheered. Someone tell his mum, proper little Houdini, a lucky escape. Standing in the churchyard 80 years later, watching the Guy Fawkes rockets bursting over Walthamstow, neither my mum nor my granddad offers any explanation to how Alfie could have been in two places at once. Nan never explained it, says Mum. She didn't hold with the supernatural. She only believed in God under the strict understanding that he was Church of England and didn't do any miracles and stuff like that. Alfie saved six lives that night. Somehow, when you count them up. All sorts of mad things happen in a war, says Grandad. War is a mad thing, after all. And I won't argue with that. You have been listening to The Escapee by Anya King, performed by Jerry Hodgson, inspired by me, his grandfather, Gerald King. I was there. The sound engineer was Dylan Hodgson. One two, one two, one two, one two. Good evening, gentlemen. I hope you've all had an instructive first day at the conference here in Bracing Skegness. You can't beat that sea air, can you? <laughs> now, uh, we've got a great evening of entertainment lined up for you, so without further ado, welcome on stage. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that's okay. I was just preparing for tonight. I'm Ted. I'm acting as the compere. Paul. First time at one of these get-togethers? Yeah, um, yeah. Lovely venue, this. By the sea. Ah, it is. But it reminds me not to try and not end up like some of the men who stay here. <laughs> Lungs full of coal dust and all before their time. A cigarette? Oh, no, sir. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, heck, that's better. Uh, trying to give up, then, eh? No, I never started, actually. So you know the programme for the weekend? Yeah. Ah, it will be all the usual safety standard nonsense, but there's some good entertainment laid on for tonight. Like what? Well, there's a singer and a stripper. That's two separate acts, mind you. A stripper? Hey, are you that green, lad? <laughs> Never seen one before. <laughs> ah, well, you're in for a treat. Yeah, I'd guess so. I'm doing a bit of a routine, like, and I think someone's agreed to be an Elvis impersonator and mime to a song. Yeah, that's me. Really? Oh. <laughs> yes, well, anyway, uh, we've got the conference stuff to get through first today, so I'll see you later. Yeah, yeah sure. Oh, sorry. I think I must be in the wrong room. Well, not unless you're here for the miners' conference. The what? Oh, there's a load of coal mining industry reps here this weekend for a conference. No, I'm certainly not here for that. No, I didn't think so somehow. There's not many women in mining work. Well, not on the coal face anyway. Maybe there should be. Well, I wouldn't stop them. Most of my colleagues would, though. What are you here for, then? I'm attending the WLM conference. Women's Liberation Movement. Oh, right, I see. So, what will you be discussing then that you think you need liberation from? Just the domination of men in most aspects of life in this country and the promotion of equal rights for women. Oh, good luck with it then. And what's that supposed to mean? Nothing, I, I meant what I said. Hello, Diana. Oh, hello. Harriet, isn't it? Yes. Well remembered. How could I forget you from Oxford? Do you think all our demands will be passed? What were they all again? Um, equal pay, equal educational and job opportunities... Um... Free contraception and abortion on demand and free 24-hour nurseries. 
Can I ask something? Of course. Why are we holding the second conference here in Skegness? Is there any reason why we shouldn't? No, no, of course not. It's just that it seems so... Well, I'm not sure how to put it without sounding... <laughs> are you trying to say that even in 1971 it's more behind the times than the rest of the country? All the more reason to hold a conference here. What's behind the rest of the country? This town is. Oh, you don't have to tell me. I live here. I'm Janet, by the way. So are you attending the conference? Yeah. I heard about the one in Oxford and wanted to find out more. Well, you're most welcome. What is this building we're holding it in exactly? It's the Derbyshire's Miners' Holiday Home, where miners can come for a rest and plenty of fresh sea air. I should think they need it after all that time working underground. Actually, there's another reason I'm here. Oh? How's that then? I was asked to sing here this evening. I didn't know what for until today, though. You sing? Well, I dabble. I'm sure you're being modest. Anyway, I just found out that there's a coal mining delegation here this weekend. I reckon I must have been booked for that. A coal miners' delegation meeting going on at the same time? Now, that is interesting. It will be. If it's anything like the last conference gig I was booked for. Why is that? The last act of the evening is usually a stripper. Give it up, please, for Mr. Paul Fenton's rendition of Suspicious Minds, there. Suspicious Minds, thank you. Thank you. Now, now, I wouldn't say my wife is fat, but everyone else would. Hey, hey. Here, when, when she asks me, does my bum look big in this, I have to say it depends on how big this is. Hey, hey. Uh, right, now, hey, here, here's one, here's one. Do you know... If you rearrange the words in mother-in-law, it spells woman Hitler. <laughs> no, 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 it does, it does. Yeah. There's a fella down here trying to work it out. <laughs> no, trust me, mate, it does, it does, it does. Oh, oh, have some, uh, some hecklers here, gentlemen. Uh, must have touched a nerve. <laughs> Do you know what? My, my mother-in-law, you like this one? My, my mother-in-law has got a lot in common with Hitler. And it's not just the moustache either. Hey, now, you know, and whenever she comes out the back, I hold the towel out this, you see, and you won't believe what she comes out. Yes, well, as you know, as you know, I calm down, as you know, we've got a great act coming up later tonight. Here, here. You know, someone once said to me, you like this, someone once said to me that watching a strip act is a bit like sex. A bit like sex. I said, how do you mean? He said, well, it's all about the anticipation, isn't it? It's the build-up to the final reveal when it's often a short-lived, disappointing finale. <laughs> you speak for yourself, mate. Yeah, who said that? Aye, yeah, well, yeah, keep your noise down. Anyway, anyway, I think our, think our singer is uh, ready now, so please welcome on stage Miss Janet Rose. This is an act designed to promote male fantasies and will no longer be tolerated. No one needs to do this, and we won't let you. Get your hands off me! That's a Get off the stage, love. You're not too on yet. Someone played the music at the wrong time. Stop the music, will you? Take your hands off her. Yeah, I will do once she's off stage and we can start. Hey, what happened? Did I miss my cue? No, no, no. It's, it's all a misunderstanding. They thought the next act, the singer was the stripper and tried to stop it. What for? You shouldn't have to take your clothes off for their entertainment. What I choose to do with my own body is up to me. Ah, you tell them, love. Now, will you all just get off the stage? Hey, look, there's no need to be so rough with them. Are you OK? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Come on, let's go. You'll not stop them from getting what they want. Not this time, anyway. You're not staying, then? No. And I never was. Not you, the singer. No, I'm not. You can stuff it. What's your problem, eh? A striptease act never hurt anyone. Men like you are the problem. Oh, <laughs> if you say so, love. These women are right. You are a sexist, outdated dinosaur. Will you all just shut up right now if you'd all just leave the stage so we can finish the show with the highlight? Well, I don't know what you see in it. What are you on about? What is it in the end, eh? 
A load of dirty old men ogling a woman taking her clothes off. Ah, it's just a bit of innocent fun. Would you want your wife or daughters doing it? Ah, look, you better leave, aren't you? Go on. It's all right. I'm going. It'll probably be like your sex life anyway. All anticipation and then over in five minutes. Yeah, you little... Here, you come back here. Oh, heck, the music. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I give you Miss... Oh, she's already here. <laughs> oh, flaming heck. Please, please bear with us, gentlemen. There's just been a power cut, that's all. It's during the fourth this week. So don't, no, don't leave. Don't leave. I'm sure we'll be all be sorted out very soon, won't it? A Minor Liberation by Benjamin Peel Ted was played by John Hewitt Paul by Stacey Goff Janet by Lucy Sherry Cooper Harriet by Sarah Beasley Diana by Nikki Felstead Stripper by Katie Leonard Audio production by Jack Pudsey and directed by Sarah Beasley Produced for Sofa Festival 2020 by Sarah Beasley and Jack Pudsey for Breakwater Theatre Company. Sinclair. Join me every Wednesday evening from 7 till 9 here on Super Sound Radio for two hours of the very best new and unsigned artists. The showcase show on Super Sound Radio is what your Wednesday evenings are for. Pedro's Patio by Vivian Lamond with Shane Stefanchek, Kristen Green, and Joe Morales. We're looking for number 47. It has to be close. There. The place is... <sighs> a damn shack. You picked it. You asked the concierge to book our dinner reservation at a cheap restaurant with a feel for local color. And she said Pedro's patio has old world charm. She got the old part right. Hola, hello, welcome. I am Pedro. You are Bosworth, table for two? Look, uh, something has come up. We, um... Double booked? We have, we have to cancel. Oh, I have five children, senor. If I cannot feed you, I cannot feed them. Five children? See, si, and in cuatro months, then there will be six. Well... Angie. Todd, we'll just have to cancel our other reservation. I mean, we're already here. Buenos. Oh, the bugs, they're very big this year. First, you like a drink? Bottled water, please. A margarita. Make it a double. Todd... I'm not driving. The tour book said not to have drinks made with local water outside the hotel. Of course the hotel would tell you that. They want us spending the pesos on their property. I have good water. No water problem for Pedro's patio. I get the drinks for you. Enjoy delicious salsa and chips my wife made today. Good salsa? I am starved. Uh, they're in Spanish. Well, you took Spanish in high school. Pules, uh, that's chicken. Pescado is fish. Well, there's a lot of fish. Hmm, I don't see any tacos or burritos. Well, we're not at Taco Bell. <sighs> well, he wasn't lying about the bugs. Now you tell Pedro what you want to eat. Oh, we don't speak Spanish. We could use some help with the menu. Oh, you like fish? Well, very good fish today. It is grouper. What are your other fish choices? Well, today is only special grouper dinner with nice rice and vegetables. All right, I'll have that. Senor? Can I get a chicken enchilada, rice, and refried beans? See, si, I will make. Oh, y you do the cooking. Well, I am the chef. Okay. And while you wait, there is happy mariachi music for you. Your food, it will be coming up right. In English, we say, coming right up. Gracias, senora. Coming right up. And let's hope it is also coming up right. <laughs> 
Do you think he's going to have a mariachi band? Nope. Well, there's your answer. There's your local color, old world charm. Well, if the food is bad, I'll just raise my spirits with spirits. <laughs> Cheers. Glad you're happy. Oh, Angie, come on. We came here for fun and sun, remember? Why can't you just relax? Circumstances. What does that mean? Pedro has five children. Almost six. And Doc Olson told us we need to get our minds off making babies and just let nature take its course. How is your margarita, senor? Excellent. I'll have another. Oh, the senor is in a party mood. And for senora, another bottled water? Okay, I get the food first. Almost it is ready. Should you have gotten a second margarita? You know what Dr. Olson said about alcohol and sperm count. Angie, <clears throat> my sperm is going to swim or not swim. Will you give the baby business a rest? Giant mosquito at 12 o'clock. Ow! And another. I was telling you, bugs this year are very big in Mexico. And that one is the size of a jackass. Where's the restroom? Through that door. Your wife. She is not happy? Not too happy. Uh, I better go talk to her. How many years now are you married? Five. For me it is twenty, and so maybe I learn more about the heart of a woman. Your wife right now? She needs to be alone. You might be right. So you taste your food? You like, no? I like, yes. I fix your drink now. I make more strong, so you are more happy. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. Let's just forget the whole conversation. Absolutely. I was being a stick in the mud, as Grandma Sterling used to say. <laughs> You've never been a stick in the mud. You better dive into that fish before it gets cold. This meal is awesome. Remember when we dog sat for my Aunt Patsy? Mm, last month for Mo, Larry, and Curly? Yes. Uh, why? Something happened? Yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Wait, well, this says... Yes! It says yes! Well, <laughs> damn if my little swimmers didn't make it upriver. <laughs> Senora is happy again? We're having a baby! Salud! Gracias! Everything was great, Pedro, but we've got to go. No, oh, sure, sure! Thank you. I will always remember this night. Senora, you forgot your bug swatters. It is my gift. On the house. It is in case you see again that jackass bug. Oh, yes. A most memorable souvenir. Thanks again. And Pedro, that double margarita is on me. You tell your friends about Pedro's patio, yes? My address and phone number. They are on the bug swatter. And now this special drink. I drink to their luck and happiness. The Change, written by Glenn Dixon, performed by Owen Pugh and Holly Davis. This will be the last time that we sit like this. In these chairs. Looking at this very familiar view. Together, just like bookends. From now on. We shall be very much apart. Very far away. Out of sight is out of mind. Geography is one thing. Like postcodes, there will be a marked distance. Oh, there's no denying this fact. It will be difficult. More than a bus journey, I'd say. An all-day ticket with zones four and five may not swing it. It will involve maps and... A to Zens. <laughs> Possibly a compass. Some breathing apparatus and a couple of Sherpas. It'll be strange not to sit at this table and look at you. In dressing gowns and slippers. We shall have single-serve lifestyles. 
Boil in the bag. Microwave friendly portions. Solo plastic TV dinners. Lean cuisine leftovers. Dinner on laps. Pre-theatre Groupon. Three courses at the local Italian. A pie. And three pints of Guinness. Possibly four. Cocktails with the girls. Lock-ins with the lads. Big changes. This will be the last time we will drink tea from this cracked teapot. That my mother gave us. Yes, your mother. I will never have to eat her concrete-like lasagna again. Or have your father bore the arse off me with his talk about his football programme collection. Oh, some of these go back as far as the 60s, you know. Oh, very rare, son. My lovely father, who is just very passionate about his football, will never have to lend you considerable amounts of his hard-earned money bailing you out, paying for all your gambling debts. Money that you always meant to pay back. I promise to pay this back to you, Michael. Honestly, I will. Yes. Your father, who did, in fact, loan me the various amounts of his inherited cash, only because he felt an amount of overriding guilt due to the fact that I knew about his sordid little affair with his account secretary, Belinda. Brenda. Brenda. Yes. I will probably go back to buying those cheap circular tea bags and use my favourite broken mug. The Sopranos one, with a bada-bing lap-dancing girly picture on it. Yes, the one you broke the handle off. In the dishwasher? By mistake? Possibly. The one that I decided to rescue from the recycling bag. The same bag you never actually put the recycling into. I will leave the seat up on the toilet and the bathroom floor as wet as an East Asian tsunami. I will hang my wet underwear from your chin-up bar that you never used. I will play my disco music loudly. I will leave my makeup out and my straightening irons plugged into the wall permanently. You will burn large holes in the carpet. I will pull up the carpets and sand the floorboards until they feel as smooth as glass. You will sandblast your face with Botox and collagen. I will take in a much younger lodger who will play the saxophone and drive an open-top convertible. You will put on your tacky push-up bra and make a clumsy pass at him and get yet another knockback. And then we'll secretly think, oh, it's because of the age difference. But this will not be the reason. You will grow your remaining hair and try to look cool in Adidas three stripes. You will look ridiculous. You will take up salsa dancing and try speed dating with your mad friend, the one with the four cats and the squinty eye. Katrina. Katrina. The one you had that dream about. <laughs> the one I had that dream about. Katrina. I'll miss your excuses. You're not conceited. Just intimately aware of your best qualities. Yes. You don't wear too much makeup. I've just reached cosmetic saturation. You don't bug or annoy me. You're just verbally repetitive. You're not cold or frigid. No, just thermally inaccessible. You are not at all fat. Just a metabolic underachiever. You don't have a moustache. You're just in touch with your masculine side. Or is it Movember? <laughs> I will miss the belching and the farting. The bitching and the nagging. The snoring and the moaning. Your lucky underpants. The clumps of your bleached hair clogging up the plug holes. The left-up toilet seats. The put-down insults. Your cooking. The way you blow your nose. Your cooking. 
the calorie counting, your extreme number of parking tickets, your revolutionary new diet. Your sisters laugh. Eating with your hands. The licking of the plates. Your feet. Your obsession with the TV remote. The way you burn toast and undercook meat. Internet porn. Sky sports. Your clutter. The noise you make when you eat crisps. And the way you lick every finger afterwards. Richard Curtis films. Stretch denim. The Anne Rice novels and all those fucking handbags. The skid marks. The Viagra. Replacement nicotine gum. The beery kisses. The stubble rash. The drunken confessionals. RuPaul's drag race. Your smelly wee dog. The stubble rash. Your sweaty socks. Your extra skinny jeans. Your comic books. My graphic novels. Yes. Your graphic novels. Just think. We will wake up tomorrow in different beds. We shall wake up tomorrow in different time zones. In different hemispheres. This will be the last time that we will sit like this. Together. Just like bookends. From now on, we shall be very much apart. Not together. Separate entities. This will be the very last time. The last time. Yes. Surely not. When two tracks go to one, the point is you can't score. Looking the black glass.
You've been listening to Writer's Block Radio Hour. Tonight you heard Glenn Dixon, Vivian Lamond, Benjamin Peel, Anya King, Stephanie McGill, Shane Stefanchek, Kristen Green, Joe Morales, Jen Cartwright, Owen Pugh, Holly Davis, Jerry Hodgson, John Hewer, Stacey Goff, Lucy Sherry Cooper, Sarah Beersley, Nikki Felstead, Katie Leonard, with music from the mighty Scaramanga. Writer's Block Radio Hour was curated, produced and engineered by Glenn Dixon. Join us next week at the same time, only on Super Sound Radio.